Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome everyone to House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, writer for Scary Monsters magazine and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting with me, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of House of the Unusual, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Eddie, what's up, brother? How you doing, Joe? How are you, buddy? Everything's cool. What's new in your uh, neck of the woods? Oh, just just getting a lot of snow here in Ohio, and um, um, that's that's about it. You know, I, you know, we we were talking about what we wanted to. To discuss on this program tonight and I, I really wanted uh, to talk with you about something that I watched the other day and I want to see if you have ever seen it I'm sure a lot of our, a lot of our audience members have have seen it because it's a, a fairly popular series but I'm a little bit behind the times um, the series is called Black Mirror it's on Netflix have you ever watched it no, I haven't, uh, Joe. I actually, when you, I tell you, going to say the blacklist. No, I know you like the blacklist, but I, I you know what? I've, I've been hearing a lot about the Black Mirror, and I, I finally decided to to cave in and watch it. You know, it came it started in two thousand eleven. They're on, I think, series five now. But I, I watched this one episode, and it was it was really kind of freaky. Um, it was in the season two. It was called "Be Right Back," and what the premise is and if you've never seen the the episode for people out there spoil it's there's not really a spoiler to it or anything like that but it talks about um this guy and this this girl who are kind of in love uh they're i i don't it doesn't really say if they're married or not but they've been together for quite some time and the guy he's like a social media addict you know facebook twitter instagram you know all that stuff so he ends up ends up dying. I, I believe it was in a car accident. They don't really kind of get into that. But what happens is the the girlfriend she's you know grieving a lot, and one of her friends tells her, "Well, there's this way to kind of still interact with him while he's dead." So I'm like, "Well, this seems like an interesting premise." So what it is is she she gets a hold of this program and it collects all his data from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all his personal emails and all that. And then she sends in a recording that she has of his voice and everything. And what it does, it, it compiles it together and it allows her to talk with him over the, on the phone. So I'm like, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. And you know, it, it gets kind of, you know, very kind of sci-fi and outlandish after that. But the main premise of, you know, gathering people's information and uh, putting it into where you could still talk with them. You're not real. Well, you're not really talking with them. It's, you know, a computer program that's, you know, artificial intelligence based that's doing the, the talking and all that. And what I found was really interesting. Now, this came out, this episode came out in 2013 and what I really found interesting watching it is that, you know, the last few weeks or months or so is that there's actually technology being built that is exactly like this, where if you have a loved one that has died, they'll go on like, you know, you could send in all their information from, from all the social media sites and you'll be able to talk with them. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really kind of kind of creepy and the, and the show really goes back into like the um the ethical and moral you know situation with with the whole thing and you know how it affects you know this this woman because it's not really her boyfriend it's this computer program but i thought it was really interesting that this came out you know seven years ago well 11th of february so you know 11 years ago and or no, what was eight years ago? I'm sorry, eight years ago. But I thought it was really weird that now this exact that exact technology is being built, you know, today. So it's like we're living in this sci-fi universe. What, what do you think of that? What's your your take on something like that? Is it, do you think that's something that you would ever be interested in? 
You know, it's it's Sorry. it's interesting that you said that. I'll tell you why because um, I'm sure that whoever did that must have something to do with the show. I mean, maybe they saw the show or something, and that's where they started developing that uh, technology today. Because it was back in 2013, what you're saying. But what you reminded me of is you remember the episode? I think it was the Twilight Zone, where there's this old lady and she keeps getting a phone call, and when she kept getting the phone call. Eventually, uh, at the end of the thing, it was the grave of her husband. Yeah, I do kind of remember an episode like that. Yeah, she used to get a, a phone call, and every time she picked it up, there was nobody in the other line. You know. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of like how this was. You know, she got a she was she started off with text, you know, text messaging, and then she received a call from the AI program, but it was his original phone number, his original picture that was on the phone number when he called. And, you know, it was for all intents and purposes, you know, him, but it was, you know, his memories, his, you know, his way of that. He talked and everything in this artificial intelligence program. Yeah. Cause basically what the, what the computer did, it kind of became and, and resembled him and became him. Now, if you're aware, do you remember that there was, um, Gosh, I, the you got to bring me up on the name of the movie. There was a movie back in the nineties that was a computer that actually fell in love with the owner. Do you remember that? No, you, I don't. Um, gosh, what was it called? Uh, this I think was either the late nineties, early nineties, and it's it was a computer thing that the guy, you know, the computer would say hi to the guy, and it was a female voice. But the computer wanted to take control of the guy. Oh, was that um, was that Electric Dreams? Elect, that's that's correct. That's yeah. the movie. Remember that? Yeah, that came yeah. out around like 84, 85, I believe. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the movie. You're right. And and it was uh the premises of it was that the computer started falling in love with the person. And you know, it was kind of like a, a freaky movie, but um that I guess goes back to the 1950s and 60s, where people always wanted to be afraid of computers, and they always made it where it's it's um it has a, a theme of fear where the computer will overtake the human who created. Yeah, and now there's this whole kind of like other side of that where you know people are turning to computers for companionship. You know, you have all these sex robots out there. You have all these friendship companion robots you have movies about people falling in love with you know siri on their cell phone you have all this stuff so on on one end there's people who are afraid you know ai is going to take over the world and there's another part that you know we're looking forward to interacting more with you know these robots and artificial intelligence and i know we've talked about it before you know about uh you know the fear and everything, you know, with, you know, AI taking over, but I thought it was interesting that there's this whole other, you know, side of it where people are actually looking forward to, you know, companionship with artificial intelligence, I, I guess you could say. Well, you know what, this is interesting that you say that. I'll tell you why, because um, one of the things that I, I was on the other day, I was looking on Etsy and I don't know how it came around. They showed a, a life-size doll of a woman. And it was amazing because it looked like a real human being. And they're, they're selling this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and now you see, you know, computer software that can actually mimic a human. Now, in real life, um, AI is still far off in the future where it could actually do what we think it can. Uh, Bill Gates has been a big uh, promoter, I think, of AI, um, and a lot of you know people have tried, but I I forgot who it was. One of the big scientists, a uh, rich guys, uh, actually warned against it. Oh yeah, that's right, the guy that passed away from Apple. What's his name? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, yeah. Yeah, he actually warned against it, what you know what in artificial intelligence can do. Yeah, the thing is that we're developing it where it's it's random and it can a computer can actually do pretty much. Uh, the fear with that, there was also another movie that I don't know if you forgot that the computer screwed up and it was supposed to be based on a war between Russia and the United States. 
and it made it look like the United States was being attacked by Russia. Oh yeah, that was um. Oh, what was that? Um, I, I can't remember the name of the movie. Countdown. I thought it was something game. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the final countdown. The final countdown is the one where the World War II ship goes back in time. I mean, um, some modern ship goes back in time, and they're fighting the actual war uh, of World War II. That's uh, it's called the final countdown. But this one with the thing, it's called. Um, so I thought it was something games, war games. Yeah, it could be war games. It might. Be I think that. it was war games. But there is the premises now. The most fearful slash sexy film slash that I really enjoyed it. Going back to that one thing called Electra that I recently saw, which it's a very low back. It's like a two and a half hour film, low back and stuff, and and it's about this female robot. Uh, she's an android, and the guy is uh, in charge. The programmer is in charge of teaching her. But she starts developing kind of like a relationship where she starts making the guy fall in love with her. And then at the end of the the thing, she actually walks away into the real world and locks up the guy behind, which was kind of... What was that movie called? I think it's called Electra. Look it up if if you're by a phone and you can Google it because the actual name of it, it shows uh, the lady looks a little bit like... um, the robot from iRobot with Isaac Isimov in the cover, where it has that weird shape, but it's a female-looking robot, and then it has like a, it's like a transparent robot. Do you see it? Oh, it, that's um. Oh, I just let me see. I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, I've talked uh, a couple of episodes, and I always forget to look up the actual name of the movie. I yeah, would, I know what I know what you're I know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, real uh twist ending. Oh, I, I'm trying was, to look at the ending was interesting because I thought at the end that the robot was actually gonna stay with the guy. And I was kind of bummed out that she went into the world and tricked him. But the idea behind it is to say that she not only developed her own intelligence, but she was able to make a decision on her own and go out there. Was that uh, Ex Machina? Yes, Ex Machina. Right. Yeah, you know, I've I've never seen I never seen that for some reason. I've 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 wanted to, but you you would like that movie. Ex Machina is is actually they're using Machina is machine in Spanish. So I'm okay. I'm actually now that you said Ex Machina, I knew it had a, a strange name. I thought it was something like Electro, but that that movie. Yeah, I remember the the premise where where she kind of leaves him at the end and, and all that. He thinks that they're going to stay in love or something like that. Yeah, he actually fought. You know what's so funny about the movie? The movie itself is kind of laid back where you would say, well, you say, you know, you would say to yourself, man, it's, it's boring. It's got no action. But the thing is that every time you see her luring him in, it's got some sexy vibe to it that kind of makes you stick around. You can't. It's, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there's a book, a children's book. It was called Something with Unfortunate Events. Uh, I think it's Mr. Snicket. Lemony Snicket. Yeah, Lemony Snicket, uh, a bunch of unfortunate. And, you know, here's the funny thing about that. One time when I had my store up in the mall back in 2000, I up in Bergen Mall in Paramus, I had set up shopping in the lower mall. And um, sometimes on the weekends, I would hold the table up in the top of the mall and I would be selling things there. And this was, a, you know, it's a major mall. It's one of the, it's actually the oldest mall in New Jersey. And um, I, I was there one time and somebody, I don't know what it was, it was a bookstore and they were throwing out a guy, a, a stand up, cardboard stand up of a guy. It was actually, let me see if you remember this story. You remember, not Blockbuster. Um, the, oh god, what was the name of that movie uh, store that they sold a lot of videos before? Um, it was before FYI. Suncoast. Yeah, Suncoast. Yeah, that's right. Suncoast had a. Okay. I loved Suncoast, by the way. <laughs> I used to love, go there all the time, and in the Bergen Mold, Suncoast had a statue, not a statue, a stand-up cardboard piece, and the stand-up cardboard was of lemony lemony Snicket, but it had a guy with his back with a black suit on and a black. A hat and he's holding his hands behind his back and in his hands that's where you they would put the books 
It was kind of like a display stand. I thought it was real oh, okay. cool because, you know, then you couldn't see the guy's face or anything. It was just his back. And uh, it looked like, you know, something uh, like Spy from a spy movie. So I asked for the stand-up and they gave it to me. And then um, I, one of the books, Lemony Snicket, whatever it was, I started reading it. And it was kind of funny because here's a children's book. You know, why am I reading a children's the funny thing about the darn book is that the book, everything that it has, entails sad events of a, of two young children that are orphaned and stuff. But the funny thing is that no matter what it was, it drove me in. It was like a what they call a rabbit hole. I kept going in deeper and yeah. deeper. I couldn't put the book down, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" It's a. I read the whole book in one night. And I found myself to like two, three in the morning reading the damn little book. And I'm like, really? And I said, you know, th th it's interesting. This writer knows how to write because, you know, he, he pulled me in really good. And it's kind of the same thing with that movie Ex Machina. You're watching it. And every time somehow there's some type of love event or, you know, some type of love connection that wants to make you watch the film, you know. And it, it draws you in the film. And you know, I, and I, th I think that happens kind of too with these, you, you see all these like love or sex robots that are out there now. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they're lonely or they're just, you know, doing it as a joke or whatever with these, you know, robots that they're actually getting drawn into what this robot is saying. And it's, it becomes almost like addicting, you know, like you said, with, with the movie and the book, you know, you start becoming, invested with it it starts becoming addicting and you want to keep reading or watching more and i think these people want to keep interacting more with you know these robots right and, and and you know what that's a scary event it's a scary event where as time goes by and you know the way things have changed and stuff people are lonely people are especially guys uh that they're trying to find a mate and you know the women or whatever the problem with stuff like that is where stuff like that could actually start replacing human beings. And that's what's scary, yeah. you know? Well, but, you look at a few countries. I know there's one, um, there was a, a, a bodybuilder in Kazakhstan who's, who's real famous for, he married sex doll. And if, if you, you know, read up on him, you know, he's, he's not a bad looking guy. He's, you know, you, he works out, he's, he's buff and all that has a lot of friends, but, for some reason, you know, he treats this sex doll like it's an actual living person. You know, he travels with her. He talks with her, watches <laughs> movies with her. Everything that you would do with a normal person. So there's kind of like this disconnect from the real world. You know, the real world that he's living in. And he has, you know, he has family. He has friends. But for some reason, he's drawn in, you know, and it's almost like he's addicted to this doll because now with the technology is that these robots are starting and, and it's still in the initial processes but they're starting to to learn and they're starting to base their you know their technologies evolving to adapt to what that person wants yeah and and it's easier for them to to stay with these robots because that robot will adapt to what you want but if you, but if say if that guy goes out and he meets a woman, she might not adapt to everything that he wants, so he's going to push her aside, go back to the robot because she'll do, <laughs> you know, whatever he wants, basically. You know, it, you know, and like you know, there's that disconnect from oh, from humanity sorry. with that. Yeah, and, and it's kind of crazy though, and and that I think. Yeah, it is kind of it's crazy and it's kind of scary too that, because you know how, say. how far does it go? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That a lot of that. Actually, there's a good part and a bad part. The good part is that there is technology that can start creating this artificial intelligence to be independent where you can have and build, say, for example, in the future, uh, possibilities of building robot soldiers and stuff that you don't have to send real humans to out in the field. You know, let's say there's a war and stuff. Right. But at the same time, there's also that fear of trying to replicate humans, which in a sense, it puts us like acting as God, trying to replicate a robot. Yeah. And here's the thing that's crazy about that. 
it does two things. One, it creates fear, and then real science can go forward because of the fear specter behind the idea of what you know AI can do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's always that potential there too, you know, for just like anything for people to use it for good and and people, you know, to use it for evil purpose. for bad. Yeah. You know, and, and like you brought up with the the military soldiers, you know, I spent 9 years in the military so I could see where you know these robots would be good on the battlefield. However, you know, because obviously it would cut down on you know American soldier casualties or or whatnot, but at the same time, you're taking that human element out of it, and you know what? What's to stop them from you know mowing down a, a whole village or a family or an innocent person? You know, because you are still dealing with technology yeah. that's you know, will never be perfect. I mean, not saying you know humans aren't perfect, but you, you don't have the the empathy that you have in, in a human being. So there's kind of like some pros and cons with it. And Well, yeah. And that's where a lot of these writers, uh, movie writers and stuff, uh, go off and create all these uh, storylines. Cause look, we, we already, you already mentioned one, uh, the movie back in uh, electric dreams. Then you had, uh, you know, another movie like that, which is kind of like I robot, I robot with Isaac Isomov. I think it was the first one that, you know, created this robot, whatever. And then um, you had like Will when he did The Last Man on Earth, uh, which originally was done by the guy who played the Joker. Uh, what's his name? Uh, ne- ne- uh, Benedict uh, down in the Twilight Zone. When uh, the whole explosion and he stays, he's the last one reading books. Oh, uh, Burgess Meredith. Yes, Meredith. <laughs> and um, it kind of, if you look behind the 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 idea behind all those films are kind of like around the same thing, even though that that was different. That was just a, a total total holocaust where everything is destroyed, but it still has the the same idea like with robots, where a robot will take over the world and destroy all humans. And you know how many different films have come out that I can remember from the nineteen eighties seventies to the present where there's always like this robots taking over the world. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that has always created fear. And that fear has made the United States lag behind Japan and robotics and stuff. Because, okay, let's say right now you build the perfect AI machine, a machine that can make its own choice, make its own thing. Let's say, so you build the brain. But to build the actual figure for the machine, the schedule part, the robotic part, so that it has hands, arms, legs, the closest technology for that is the Japanese robot. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Osimo. I think it's Osimo. The little guy is yeah. about five foot two and he jogs and runs. I don't know if you've seen him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That little guy cost over seven million, I think, to build. And it's still in its um, you know original stages. And he walks around. He runs around. Um, I actually tried to buy a little on eBay, a little model of him about 12 inches tall and they surpass two, 300 bucks every time they come up, you know? So I kind of been hesitant to pay for it that much, but um, it brings to the intention of how much we've gone in because before the problem was, and you know, the fact that I love robots and I've tried to build several and, and here's a good example. When I was building my eight foot model, I had thought that, you know, like when you see those little robot robots, the ones that you wind up, if you look at it, the way they work, they have like a can. Think of a, of a bicycle set of uh, bicycle pedals. One goes up, one goes down. So you figure if you put a, a set of bicycle pedals in the center of the robot where the waist is, and you put a bar into each, you know, like instead of the pedal, you will put a bar into the bottom of it, and you had a motor in the center turning it, it will make the robot wobble back and forth, back and forth. But in order to make it walk, what you would do is you had to put like a, a bar in between the legs so that each time the pedal would move, the thing would kind of go forward one and one backward like that. And my idea was I can build a huge robot and make it walk that way, just like the 1950s, uh, you know, battery operated ones. And I started doing some research and I, I experimented with it. And here's what I encountered. One, unless the feet weigh a lot, it's going to tip over. Two, when you do that, 
and it starts walking and it starts wobbling as it does too. By the time it gets to the third step, the wobble gets bigger, bigger until it falls to the side. Okay. So yeah, trust me. I try to make one walk and it, <laughs> it works great in a little 10, 12 inch figure because it, the center, you know, it's a small figure, but when you try to build it in, in a frame of eight foot, that doesn't work that well. And that's what I was trying to do. And then I, I settled for the fact that, you know what, I, I'm going to put, um, and this came from that magazine that I told you about in 1924, Science and Invention, that had the robot with the, with the caterpillar legs that was supposed yeah. to be used that I showed uh, in, in one of our episodes on YouTube when we were actually doing the live podcast. And um, I said, you know what, it would look really cool if I can put one of those thread things in each side. Now, 20 years ago, when I started building the robot, it was very hard to do that unless you had a machine shop. Right now, you can actually go on eBay and, and they'll sell you kits that would fit the foot of each of the, the robot, you know? I'm not sure how much weight you can put on it, but they, it comes with the threads and everything, the tank threads. And come on, man, there's nothing cooler than a robot that will have tank threads in its legs. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that I thought was super cool. And then I got back to the fact, well, I can make the robot walk like the one in Bugs Bunny, for example, which was what I was trying. I can make it where I'll make the legs solid and put a base with wheels. Let me tell you, I bought two wheelchair motors. I bought two hospital bed electric motors, DC motors. I bought, I started going into electronics, building this stuff. Now I had to stop because I didn't have the room where to do it. And then I procrastinated, got lazy. And it's been there for the last 10, 11 years already where I haven't worked on it. It's almost completed though. I, I was saying to myself, I'm going to probably in the next couple of weeks or months, I'm, I'm going to bring it out and start working on it again because I love this stuff. And now that Dr. Saab started going on the website, trying to make me, the seven foot monster robot plant that he's trying to make through his computer, a 3d model and actually print it out with a 3d printer of the actual robot from the ad in a small size. Uh, you know, it got me burning with desire again over the robot stuff. And I've always loved robots, but I like the robots that reminded me of the 1950s films, you know, the ones that look like that. I'm not into the modern day robot that, even though I got to be honest with you, I probably have over 150 robots in my collection. I bought modern day robots. I bought everything from the Japanese versions. I have 31 original Japanese robots. Uh, my favorite one and, and one of my prized possession is the Smoking Spaceman, uh, which I believe I sent you some photos a while back where I have four remakes of it and one original. Um, then I also have one that it looks, I think it was called the um, Spaceman or something like that, which is a black robot. And then when you look inside the thing, it has a human face inside the helmet thing. But it's a robot. And you know what? I love robots in general. So for when you say AI and stuff like that, which is more of an android. And now an android is a, a robot that looks more human-like. It has more human features. Uh, instead, growing up, and anytime I wanted to build a robot that I'm looking for a life-size robot, I kept seeing, uh, even in this show that became very popular called Robot Wars, where they compete with robots, they all have wheels and they look like little cars and stuff. And I'm like, that's not a robot, you know? I want a robot that walks. I want a robot like the ones I grew up watching, Lost in Space or Robbie. And that was funny, though, because... The real robotics in college are those miniature little robots, which I think they look stupid. I mean, I, I'm not into those robots. I'm into the life size, uh, you know, and, and I've always loved to collect and, and I've tried to build, oh my gosh. In fact, one of my last thing when I started putting this robot together was not just the idea of building it. I did all the step-by-step -step procedures and I took photographs as I went along the way because I wanted to create a book on how to build a seven-foot monster robot, but something that was going to be a real robot, not somebody getting inside it, you know? And I have, I think, over 240 photographs of all the steps I took, and I'm still thinking, and now, actually, Joe, now that you're a writer, that will be after we finish the one book we're working on, 
uh, that will probably be something we can do. Uh, the manual, how to, because I have the photographs and I can actually complete it. And I'm sure a lot of people out there will love that. Uh, you, you know what I'm, you know what I, I was just thinking what would be, you know, good for our, our buddy Todd and his sea monkeys is if he had robot sea monkeys that could swim around with the regular sea monkeys. <laughs> I'm sh- so Todd, if you're, if you're listening, there you go, brother. There's a new idea: robot sea monkeys. He's probably already putting one together as we speak. You <laughs> mentioned it, you know, because the, the thing is that that's so funny. Because I believe there was a spoof, spoof. I don't know if it was Family Guy or The Simpsons, where they had sea monkeys. You know, so it, it, you kind of just made me laugh when you said that because I wonder if they had something like that already. Yeah, he could start making some some artificial intelligence ones to, you know, interact with the regular sea monkeys, and he he could base them off himself. So, no. so Todd, if you're listening, there there's your idea. Um, when you produce it, make sure you cut me and Eddie in for a certain percentage. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny that you said that. I was also looking today as I was looking over my place. I'm looking through a few things, a few of the books and stuff to see, you know, because every day I've decided to look at a couple of different things and find out what exactly I have in my collection. And one of the things that was really shocking, you remember that book I showed one time called uh, Fast Times at Richmond High? Yeah. That book actually sold on eBay for $240. Yeah. Did it really? And I was like, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, I, something tells me inside I feel like reneging on it because it does go for like a thousand bucks. But you know what the hell? It's, it's 240 bucks I don't have, you know. Why not use it? That ain't bad. I can't believe that book actually went that yeah, high. Yeah, if you look at it, I actually sold it. And then two people were bidding on it. I was hoping it would have gone for more. Uh, I started at uh, 225 so it went up to 239 So, Speaking of uh, eBay, what's new on, on House of the Unusual eBay store? Well, you know what? I decided that, and, and I was thinking about this, that what I'm going to do is for the website, what I think, and I wanted to get you, uh, your input on this too, is, I wanted to start growing the eBay store with a couple of products we're going to be creating additional, not just the products that are there, because I've been running on 28 products <laughs> for almost two years now. And they keep selling over and over, so it's not like I have to keep any. But, you know, it'd be nice to build a, a product line of at least 50 items. And I have quite a, a couple in mind that we can be using. And, and you know, we'll use those proceeds for the... Uh, for the podcast and our grow, growth because we need to continue to grow. Our our YouTube channel just went up by about I think a couple of subscribers, over 15 subscribers in the last two weeks for some interesting reason. And um and that's another thing. I mean we we have been broadcasting live and apparently we're gonna do that only coming forward for special guests. Uh because what happens is when you know when you have a visual of something. And then, of course, Joe, when we talk about it on the radio and we're using that same podcast over in the radio, the visual part of it, people are hearing it being described. But, you know, they're shown and they're actually like, there's a missing there. They're missing the visual part of it. And it's easier for people to listen to podcasts because podcasts you can listen on any particular station, you know, any anywhere you want to go and you're, in your headphones, you can be working, whatever. While actual YouTube videos, you have to wait until you get home to watch it or, you know, it's it's not going to be watched as much. Now, um, we're still going to be putting this on YouTube, but it's going to have like a background, you know, visual background. It's not going to be us there on it. I'm going to continue because obviously people are expecting us to be there. Um but I was going to tell you, other than that, you know, overall, the the podcast and, and, and the items that we have will continue to grow. And as soon as we hit our 1,000 subscribers, we'll be selling T-shirts and quite a few things right out of the channel and help us to continue to grow the channel, which is the idea. And, and what we're doing with this is we keep joining up with people that love what we do. They love the magic aspect of it. They love the novelty aspect. And they love, most of all, the collector's aspect of it. 
And now we've joined, we had a couple of people join us. We've had Chuck, a professional magician for life. He does this as, you know, for full time. We've had Dave, who's an actual sea diver. Um, and we'll bring on, and you know, hopefully, I, I asked already, and he's well, he wants to come on. I got to email him and see the best time for, but we're going to do that one live. We're going to have the NBA player, Mason Plumley. Uh, he's going to be a guest on our show. He wants to talk about novelties and stuff because he loves that on the side. He buys a lot of uh, collectibles and stuff. And one of his, I think one of his favorite things, he likes collecting those uh, pop heads, they call them. What's the name of those things? Oh, the, uh, the, those, those pop vinyl yeah, figures. Those I, I personally, this is funny. I don't collect them. I've only bought one or two of them. Yet my brother has inundated me with them. He sends them to me. Okay. <laughs> and and then he sends me ones like, for example, the only one I actually, I think, bought was the Elvira one. And I bought uh, Raymond Reddington from the Blacklist. My brother has sent me the Monsters, <laughs> like two sets, two sets of them. He sent me yeah. the Adams Family. I think he also sent me... Um, Recently, the Haunted Mansion ones. I have about 40 or 50 of them already. And and just about two or three months ago, he sent me a 12-inch a one of Count Chocolate. <laughs> from, you know, from oh, nice. So he's kind of forcing me to go into it. But um, I don't know. I, I don't have a love for them. I don't get rid of the ones I have. They're going for a lot of money right now. In, fa in fact, I think Lily Monster from the Monsters. I have two of them, uh, actually three of them. I, it's, she's going for like 150 bucks, so they do go up in value a little bit. I don't think it's going to go up in value. Like for example, there was a variant poster that somebody did. Now this guy was smart. This guy went on a on a on a poster site called Society Six. Okay, and, and here's where individual independent uh, artists set up shop and sell their stuff you know and what this guy did is he made an appearance as a guest in one of the science channel or the sci-fi channel used to have i don't know if you remember they have those uh, games in where you would have um three people in each team and then they were supposed to let's say do a the best mask or the best halloween thing or whatever and he came out, and believe it or not, he was tossed out in the very first episode. In the first round, he lost, right? But he used that for his website where he said, you know, as shown on television or has appeared on television. And he did an, an, a painting where he took Vincent Price in the house on Haunted Hill, and he did a variant for it where Vincent Price is sitting on a, on a rocking chair. He's got a skeleton from behind him like holding up a, a hangman's noose. But, you know, the noose is up in the air. It's got nobody on it. And it, there's like a car parked outside the window where, you know, Vincent Price is sitting by the chair. Well, anyway, when I saw it, there was two types. There was a, a black and white with a green, and they called it something variant. And they did one in color. And uh, the, the one with the, the blue or greenish letters where it said the House of Haunted Hill was all black and white. But the poster was really attractive. And I, I came across it. I, I forgot. I was going on looking over eBay and stuff. And I came across this poster that was 22 by, by I think, 22 by 27 inches or 22 by 24. And I wanted to buy it. So they tweeted me and they say it's going to go on sale Wednesday at such a time. When I'm waiting there, I'm like trying to buy it and it's not going through. And I'm like, what the hell? He was going to sell only 400 copies, right? At $75, the, the color and 125 the black and white with the green lettering. He sold out in five minutes. I, I couldn't get it. I was so pissed. And I'm like, how in the world did this guy just totally sell out of this poster? You know, and it did. And he took the house in Haunted Hill and he made it into like a variant. And it was a super duper phenomenal piece. Today, that piece is selling for $500 on eBay. Somebody, so, wow. you know, things like that can, can be really awesome. So 
in our website, like right now, I'm going to tell you something. That seven foot mo uh, monster ghost that I did, the special edition, I only did 100. That's it. Once sold out, I'm not reproducing them again. Once I ran out, that's it. I guarantee you. So people need to get on there and, and, and get their seven foot especially ghost monster. Because I guarantee you, in a year from now, watch, somebody's going to be selling them on eBay for 100 bucks a piece or 20. Now, do you have any any of the uh, the signed and numbered ones left? The, the signed ones, I think I have four left, and I have, if I'm correct, okay. about fifteen or or between fifteen and twenty two left of the regular ones. I actually just packed the box that I had in the house with about twelve of them because I've been saying some guy bought. Um, so, so if people are listening, you know, head over. To the eBay store and, and grab one of those signed ones. That's it's signed by Craig Tarbeck and it's it's numbered. So they're they're going quick and I, those are I mean that the box art for those and just everything is just absolutely beautiful with those. And um, I do have your one that's in the the envelope from a couple years ago, but the box one, especially with the I have I have the box one displayed on my desk with uh, Craig's uh, autograph on the front and. I mean, it's just an awesome piece. So if anybody's out there, even if you don't want the um, autograph one, grab a, you know, just one of the regular edition ones. And I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. It's, it's a great piece. Well, one of the things I was going to say with the envelope version, I <laughs> I actually sold this month 78 of them. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. wow. Um, it's funny, though, because it is a nice item and it, it is always an item that I've loved. It's been my favorite. Since I was a kid growing up, I think it's the ultimate mail order item because it, it offered so much height for what the garbage that it was, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was it was perfect for writing great sales copy, especially for the kids of our generation. Um, and here's another thing I'm going to tell you. I have a couple of little items, Joe, that I'm going to introduce to you because we're going to launch me and you. And they're going to be phenomenal. These are going to be nice items that are, one of them, again, is uh, as we were getting ready for the, the Go Ship Times newsletter that we're going to be launching pretty soon in, as we premiere where the shows we're working on. And one of them is going to be for that Unboxing Mysteries uh, channel that we mentioned. And as, you know, as coming forward, we're working on this, all these uh, projects, but it takes time because we're actually putting it together and anything you do in editing, anything you do in filming takes time. We can bring it up to the opening, but you know, we'll, we'll let people know it's coming, but it's, it's a matter of just a couple of weeks away and then you'll start seeing the products coming in. Now I've always wanted to create and reproduce the stuff growing up with stuff that people saw in comic books the original stuff that I own. But at the same time, there's also nice items that can be made in the same line of those original items. Repackage, remarket, and they will be really nice items that you want to keep and have today. We're developing a couple of magic sets. That's stuff that me and Dave are doing, bringing up uh, you know, a couple of magic things. And I'm working with Mason Plumley in one of those where we're going to bring up some interesting magic apparatus and stuff that people are going to love the tricks, whole new things never done before. And they're going to be introduced. Those are also going to be brought to our store. And Joe, as people know, you're, I don't want to give away the title, but you've been working on a book now for about 10 years. You mentioned that's going to be a best. It's going to be a heck of a bestseller. And it's going to be coming out soon, hopefully middle of this coming year now, or this year we're in now. Uh, but the people, see, people don't realize that when you take a book and you you come with the idea of the book from its writing, initial writing stage to its completion, can take over a year. And I know I was like, I said that's impossible. I can do it in a month or two, and it really hit me in the face of how long it actually takes and how much progress is it because we're working on one that's going to rival mail order mysteries it's going to be the history completely of mail order and it's going to be a good it, it probably sell out the same day it comes out 
It's going to be a phenomenal book, Joe, and you know you're part of it. You're the one that's doing the majority of the writing on it, so or 90% of the writing on it. And it's a lot of people that are putting together this book. It's not just me and you, Joe. It's it's going to be phenomenal, and it's going to probably, once it's finished, it's going to air on television as well. Um, and that's something I'm not going to say what channel or what, because right now it's on, but it, it is going to happen. It's just when it's finished and when it happens, and it will grow. And, and the idea for us is we can need to continue to build our audience. And where we're building our audiences uh, of like-minded folks, people that love to collect, people that love what we do. And they just want to, like, you know, hang around and uh, talk about different things. And Dr. Bob, I mean, Dr. Saab, not Fab, Dr. Saab. Um, <laughs> he's been there. We've asked him a couple of times to come on board. And he's been very quiet about it. But, you know, there's something interesting. He wrote in one of the, in the forum. Uh, and he was saying that he heard me in one of our podcasts where I told the story when uh, we were with Dr. Boyajin of how I was going around for the robot. And he goes, now I understand how long it is, why it would take so long for me to write it down. Because him and Todd have been challenging me to write it down. But it was interesting, though, because he... Uh, he wrote a part there, and if let me see if I if I can find can you can you look up in your thing because I don't have anything on here that um, can you look up at the forum under the monster robot plants or, or the house in the usual and the monster robot uh, Joe and see if you see what he wrote there. Yeah, I'll try to get on. It'll take me a, a Let's little see if while. We can with... do it before the thing is over, he wrote he wrote a segment that was very interesting. It made me laugh, of where he said he contacted me several years ago, and um, or he saw the house of the unusual, and he contact he was trying to contact me on the site and to no avail. I never responded because, <laughs> and then he goes on to say that. He kind of did it like if he was the guy searching for the robot plants and he contacts me on S.S. Adams' original novelties. It was kind of funny, though, because I'm like, okay. And I guess he was kind of saying that it, that I never responded to him, you know. And I kind of wrote him down and I said, listen, if you... uh." If you tell me what kind of items you want, you know, I might have a surprise for you, you know, because I did tell him, I think he mentioned on the thing that at the time I told them that the items he was looking for were not for sale because they were um, vintage or whatever. Um, but it was interesting. I'm trying to look it up in my site here. Yeah, I'm looking at it okay. at it right now about okay, where he read said that he... out. Read that out to the people so you see what he said. It was kind of funny. Well, he said he was he was trying to get a hold of you about three or four years ago, because uh, he was looking for some old nineteen eighties SS Adams stretch pack gags. Uh, so the conversation, something he wrote, he wrote me, "Hi, are you the same Eddie from House of the Unusual?" Eddie, yes, yes. Who are you? I'm me, like you. I collect mail order comic book stuff. Are you selling nineteen eighties SS Adam item on your? House of the Unusual website. No, not that year. Those are collectible. Do you have plans for the monster robot plans that were advertised in the comics 1970s from Melton Company? Me, I did have robot plans as a kid from the Abracadabra Magic Shop. I have those plans. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he, he's playing it off like uh, I answered him. or, But the thing is, I'm trying to remember that. And... Um... I, that must have been, like I said, three or four years or maybe more. But the funny thing is he goes, uh, as I wrote him underneath, I said, well, what exactly are you looking for? Because, you know, with the trouble he's going through, he's going to get a surprise. If he wants SS Adams stretch packs, <laughs> I got hundreds. You know, I'd be more than happy to give him a few. Uh, but I want to <laughs> give him what he wants, not just me randomly pick a product I think would be cool. I want to see which ones he actually wanted. Um, so if you're listening to Dr. Saab, I hear your pain, bro. And I understand what you try to tell me that I kind of, I didn't, I don't know if I brushed you off 
or what the story was, but the problem is a lot of people don't understand that when I had House of the Unusual prior to this one that we have right now built, uh, Joe, the House of the Unusual was run by a, a part by a company called Choice Host. And the email address that I had on House of the Unusual, I have no idea where the emails were going to because I lost the email that I had. I think it was one called Magic Blue House at AOL.com. I don't remember which one it was, but I haven't been on that email address for years. And the problem was, is I couldn't make any updates on the website because I had lost the original program for that website, which was built in 1998. And I used at the time Adobe Dreamweaver, uh, which was, you know, a 1998 version of it. Um, I hadn't made no changes on the website for over 15 years. And the only reason I kept it active, even though all the items on there were SS Adams items, because at the time, what I would do is when I would get an order for a particular product, I would ask Dave Harbersat, who was up in Connecticut, and he would drive down to South Jersey to the Neptune store to SS Adams. I would say, hey, Dave, meet me uh, up in Paramus. I need a dozen snake cans. I need whatever it was. And he would bring it up himself and I would send it to my customers. Therefore, I didn't have to really buy large quantities of any particular product. So what I did is that's why I kept the site the way it was. But the site was running on prices, was running on prices basically that were years ago. I mean, prices that have not been... Uh, I mean, very old prices. So the, the thing basically I was trying to say is that it worked for me and it stayed grandfathered because the problem is when you have a name on the web, the longer it lasts there, it grandfathers you. And it proved that I owned and sold a lot of the novelties I'm selling before anybody else, you know, before 1998 would even sell or have. So when anybody would come out there, it grandfathered me in the internet. So I kept the site alive that long. I finally made a change to the site when I needed, because, you know, now I was going to eventually, you know, I'm hoping me and you, Joe, can retire in the next three to four years on, on what we're doing. So in order to do this, we needed to make a change. I couldn't just do it as a hobby any longer. And, and basically that's what happened. And, um, you know, <laughs> that's why a lot of times people would write like Dr. Saab and, and write, and it would be like the twilight zone. They were writing into time and space <laughs> <laughs> and, and talking about, you know, talking about movies and stuff, you know, what really shocks me talking about the twilight zone and stuff. I saw William Shagner. Now William Shagner is trying to come on this show now. Um, this guy with this, uh, what's this guy? This guy with the hair standing up, this crazy guy on TV, Ancient Aliens. That, that's, yeah, oh, that's Ancient Aliens, show. yeah. Now, this guy, William Shagner's coming on that show. He's got another show uh, called The Unknown, which is a pretty good show, by the way. And he also makes appearances on The Oak Island Treasure. What I find phenomenal is how old this guy is. This guy is, is 90 years old, dude. He's not, yeah, he's William 90 Shatner? years old and he's still acting on TV. That's insane. Wow, yes. I didn't think he was that old. I was Holy shocked. Crap. Somebody told me the other day, I think it was David Harvestad. He goes, Eddie, he's super old. Yeah, 89 years old. Mar I'm just looking up now. March 22nd so is his birthday. So he turns 89 or he turns 90? He'll turn 90 this year. And here he is on television. He's got a wonderful voice. In fact, his voice rivals that of Leonard Nimoy from In Search Of. You know? Yeah, that, that that's crazy how how old he is. I mean, good for he him that good. he's still, still still going. Him and my girl Betty White are still still kicking and still on the you scene, know, man. When you say Betty White, I never I don't know why I never really liked Betty White as an actress. She's been around forever, uh, but the Golden Girls were, were not like really my favorite show. My wife always used to watch it, but you know, it was all right. Um, she was 
the old lady that passed away, the one that played the old lady was the one that was funny on the show. But I'll tell you one thing, though, William Shagner, if he were to honestly to lose a couple of pounds, I wouldn't be surprised if he looks just like he did in Star Trek. He looks he looks phenomenal. Yeah, really. And um it's it's I mean, I gotta give the man credit. You're ninety years old and you're acting, you still have all your marvels up there. Your health is that good that you can make appearances on so many shows. Yeah, good health, and he still loves what he does. So, you know, good, good for him on that. There, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who are young and don't like what they're doing, and you know, they're they're ready for the the heat. But he's Definitely. he's still going. But hey, we got about four minutes left here, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here a little bit, and um. Before we do, I just want to let everyone know, uh, head over to houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, we have a great website there. Uh, it's free to join. We have a mailing list and a forum, uh, all free to join. There's some good conversations going on in the forum, so meet some like-minded people. Talk about you know, whatever you want from collectibles, novelties, movies, you know, whatever. Uh, we have a blog post. Uh, there's the links to the podcast and link to the ebay store all that stuff there you can also find this on facebook and instagram and especially go over to youtube there's some great videos there of our past uh video podcasts and some unboxing videos and and some older videos that eddie's done with some unboxings uh hit that subscribe button you know like our videos and uh interact over there because the the more you guys interact with us the more that we're able to put out to, to you guys and you know this is stuff that we enjoy doing so we hope that you guys are enjoying it as well and um you know check us out every every wednesday we have a new podcast that's coming out uh as eddie alluded to earlier we um we're gonna go just strictly with the podcast and when we have something that's like a special guest where we have a lot of visuals or something we're gonna go ahead and add that uh video part to the podcast so if you want to check out both you could also see you know some of the uh the collectibles or whatnot that we'll have so but yeah we're gonna be just strictly uh podcast and we'll let you guys know when you know we have a video cast up and uh what that will be all about so that's all i have on my end eddie what do you well, got to wrap uh, it up basically the same thing well, you were uh, saying um i also want to bring up the fact that this for today we actually have one thing that's really interesting. We have, uh, I uploaded uh, Chuck Caputo as he actually demonstrates the Grey Leon miniature haunted house. On that video, I have a link and the link on the video basically is for people that want to buy the booklet, which is great. It's only $24 and it, it shows the Grey Leon performing the, the, the trick. And the book is not just the plans, it's a well-made book. And what it does, it also has a pattern. Now, a pattern is the way you perform it. Uh, a pattern is what magicians call the performance, the, the whole trick and the whole scenario you put together to perform the trick. They call it the pattern. So it has it's a book and pattern. It has all the stuff ready to go. And I don't have that many copies left of it. I, I, There are copies. I bought several hundred copies way, way back in the day. And I still have about maybe 20 copies left. Uh, I think that's going to be the end of it once I sell out. But the whole thing is with the book, though, it, it's a great thing. And you can see what it's like when Chuck performs it. And also uh, the one that Chuck has there, he was nice enough to actually sell me his haunted house that he's had in his possession that he used to use way back to perform in front of kids and, and audiences for over 25 years. Yeah. He, he, he definitely has some, some, some great videos on, on YouTube. So go ahead and, and, and check him out on there and, you know, like, and subscribe to his channel. You know, you know, he's definitely a friend of house of the unusual also, you know, head over to, you know, c-monkeys.com. Um, they're also a friend of the uh, the podcast, um, Todd Machen and, and company over there. Go to, and, and, and support them, and you know it, everything yeah, helps one us day out. I'm so say, though, Chuck might be coming on board to our channel, uh, I guess full time. So 
it's going to be, you know, whoever likes Chuck, we're going to have him do a lot of the magic and he's going to have a whole magic show in our channel. So our channel will continue to grow and, and just yeah. keep following us each week. New things. Well, have Sounds good. That, Joe, I guess I'm going to say have a great day. Oh, one final thing. Unlike before where we would record a week in advance and then with the, the show would show the next week after, we're actually recording live at 11 o'clock each night and the show airs at 3 a.m. on the following night, which is Thursday morning. So it's now 11 o'clock Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. So 3 a.m. Thursday's mornings, the new show comes out that's recorded three hours earlier. So when All right. Sounds good. So thank you, everyone, for, for joining us. And, Eddie, I'll talk Eddie. to you next time. Bye.